it's only fair that I introduce myself. I'm Megan Hackman. I get to pass through this community with Larry. And if we had been talking when um, we were greeting one another, one of the things that I can't live without, we all have lots of things we carry, right? And normally have my phone, normally have my purse. Sometimes I have my Bible. Get your phone with you all the time, right? Like you don't actually have to have it, right? Um, but I'm always going to have my full focus planner. <laughs> really can't live without this guy. Um, it's really awesome. I told my physical therapist last year that there were three things I could give her that would change her life. Jesus, Sabbath, and the full focus planner. And I, did, I will never forget what she said. The doc says in response, uh, let's just start with the planner, shall we? <laughs> Yeah, we can start. We can start with the planner. So here's what I love about it. It takes like your your goals and doesn't let you set a million of them, and then lets you break down your goals into like achievable outcomes for this week, and then they become daily tasks. And for me, it lets me be totally goal oriented without overachieving, like on a day to day basis. And so it's just been a lifesaver. I commend it to you. I commend to you Jesus more, but apparently a planner is where some people want to start. So that's fine. But this week's passage, when I was reading it, made me wonder if I actually have to give up my planner. It was a really hard moment for me because it was calling out um, how much I like things in control and ordered and planned. And the, uh, the passage we'll be in, in the book of James today, made me start to feel like I might be crossing a line into like arrogance about my plans, like in a way that would deny that God is in control. And uh, Tim Mackey calls James a beautifully crafted punch in the gut to those who want to follow the way of Jesus. So I guess I should have expected that there'd be at least one of these weeks that would be Extra hard, but um, we're going to dive in. So uh, we're going to look in the book of James. It's a letter that's at the end of your Bible. Um, it was written pretty close to the time after Jesus rose from the dead. And obviously the church already, after only a decade, is having a hard time living in the world in such a way that, in our words, um, they wouldn't be considered bad neighbors, like people you just didn't want to be around. Um, and particularly in this passage, addressing their arrogance. Um, arrogance is a word that I particularly find offensive. So if you do too, we're just in, we're just in good company, right? Um, but the, I, the idea of letting him approach um, our arrogance in planning is to allow the scripture to speak to our eager desire to have things set right and in order and perhaps show us a better way, a better way that lets us operate, as uh, Larry was talking about, with more peace, but also in the world. Um, with more love and more delight. So let's, uh, let's just let James punch us in the gut again, shall we? We're coming into James chapter 4. We're at verse 13, and I'm going to read quite a chunk. So um, maybe just pay attention as you're going, or if you drift off, come back to the thoughts of what, what's the arrogance that James is calling out in these verses. So I'm going to start reading with verse 13. 
hear God's word. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Hmm, thanks, James. Nice picture. Um, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered, who pomene, right? Bared up under. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Okay, if you can find gratitude in your heart, I'm going to say thanks be to God. I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord, and we'll all say together, thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, we better pray. Father, would you come and would you reveal to us a better way? Lord, let our hearts just f fill up with your peace, with your sense of love for us, and through us to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. James has got a little bit of an attitude difference here, doesn't he? He starts these, these paragraphs by saying, now listen, you who, and then fills in the blank. Typically, James has been talking to the church. That's when he's talking to brothers and sisters. But this segment feels more like he's addressing general wisdom that is contrary to the way of the world that would be good wisdom for anybody. This is really common because James sounds a whole lot like Jesus. And Jesus is somebody who generally and historically has been respected by people as a good teacher, as somebody who is full of wisdom. As long as he's addressing what's broken in the world, there's a lot we can come together on in the general way of wisdom. It's where 
Jesus starts talking about his solutions to the problems that we start to diverge. But James is taking a page off of Jesus' book here and addressing some of the brokenness in the world in a way that relates to anybody, whether they would be inside or outside of the church. The first... Um, couple paragraphs, he's addressing what's wrong, like what's the bad neighbor problem in all of us. And he, he goes straight for this idea that it's in the heart of the individual, the arrogant individual who especially is dealing with pride as it regards their plans, their prosperity, and their promises. You're welcome. They're all peace. Um, but he, he, we, that arrogant person is experiencing arrogance in their plans, their prosperity, and their promises in a way that's actually outside of their control. So he's addressing, you think you're in control of these things, but you're not. And that's a general word of wisdom that we can all get behind. Um, I know something about wanting to control outcomes, okay? It's obvious to all of you who are here in person today, you're not used, to, I'm usually a bouncer around on the stage, but you can see that I'm having to stay stationary because there is the imminent arrival, <sighs> come Jesus, of a baby coming into our world, right? And so I'm setting up the nursery at home, it doesn't have a closet, and so I had this great plan to install a pegboard that would like organize all of the clutter in the room. And I'm such a good friend that one of my crafty friends wanted to come in town. I like decided this is how we were gonna spend our time together, right? Pinterest promised that it was going to be more than a two hour project. It was, it was a five day project, <laughs> it's fine. The problem with me like wanting to control this moment was it brought up like, the bad neighbor in me to the point of like probably actually being a bad neighbor to my literal neighbor because Matt did not, Matt, my friend, my neighbor, actual neighbor, he didn't know that I, I had this plan for this week, but I needed his truck and his muscle and his saw multiple times <laughs> this week. So thanks, Matt. And then my friend, right? I, I ran the risk of being a bad neighbor to her, a bad friend to her. I still actually wanted her to have fun this week. So all week long, my soul was in conflict. <laughs> this like arrogant, I've got a plan and I can do this. And like genuinely wanting to be a good neighbor to my friend uh, and my actual neighbor. This, this path that we are on when we get our plans set can make a war within us that leads to arrogance. And I think Jesus has for us a better way, a better way to want to live in the world. Um, and he addresses in this passage, I know it was a lot of harsh words, but we're going to break them down and it, it won't feel so bad when you leave, I hope. <laughs> um, but he's going to come in and address for us that God actually has a plan for your plans and for your prosperity and for your promises that's very in line with his own heart and that would be very good for the world if we would work together with him. So let me show you how we're going to work together with God in this text. God has a plan for your plans. I want to compare um, this general way of the world that James is addressing and the way that Jesus would address our plans. So uh, here verse 13 again, because that's where he starts. It says, you who say... 
Today, <laughs> yeah, now listen, or come on in the ESV. Come on, you who are carrying around your planners, saying today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. You, you who are like that, you're living with a way of the world that says you've got this. You've got this. Write it down. Make your plans. Your business will prosper if you just take this thing up, right? You'll get healthy as soon as you go to the gym. You can go to a self-help section in any bookstore and, like, be completely convinced by the time you leave that, like, you've got this, right? Well, that's actually in conflict with not only the way of Jesus, but just like general wisdom when you try to start living out like that, right? Verse 14, it could be quoted by any number of religions. I'm telling you, this is just general wisdom to say, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, right? You're not a psychic. You don't own time. Um, you don't even know what you have or how long you'll have it. And so just generally, there's a brokenness in the world when we all try to operate like we have these individual fiefdoms and are in charge of time in the future. It doesn't work. General wisdom. Okay, God's got a solution, but that solution is going to diverge from the wisdom of the world. So we'll pick it up in a minute. The second uh, avenue that God wants to interact with you is on this level of prosperity, on this level of money. Um, God has a plan for that. I don't, I don't like this plan that God has for my prosperity. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I wanted to read it to you in the message. That's the paraphrase. Okay, listen to this. And a final word to you, arrogant rich. Take some lessons in lament. You'll need buckets for the tears when the crash comes upon you. Your money is corrupt and your fine clothes stink. Your greedy luxuries are a cancer in your gut, destroying your life from within. You thought you were piling up wealth. What you've piled up is judgment. Okay, I know that's serious, and that's a lot of, like, really harsh verses, but I was laughing because I was reading that passage in the message while sitting in Gig Harbor at the Metropolitan Market, <laughs> upstairs, drinking my whole milk latte, looking down on the organic produce, which my friend who was visiting took pictures of because she thought it was just so beautiful. She comes upstairs and we have like a really deep conversation about the curiosity of what happens with all of those carrots. Like, do people buy all of those carrots? I don't think so. I think it's what they turn into juice and then charge you triple for, right? Don't we think that that's what happens, right? This is real life. It is okay to read verses like this in the context of Metropolitan Market and go, what is the wisdom here? What is the better way to live the Jesus way amidst all of this? Well, here's what I think the world says of our prosperity. What the message you could subtly take in while you're upstairs at Metropolitan Market. I think you could take in the message, you've got to get all you can while you can. This is it. And so go get as much as you can. If you've saved up $100,000, it's probably time for a vacation house. That's the way of the world, right? If it's 100 degrees outside and you're nine months pregnant, I mean, I'm not saying, like, this is just hypothetical. <laughs> you know, 
it's okay to pull out the credit card and buy a pool, right? Or an air conditioner or whatever, because just get what you can while you can get it. You deserve it, right? But when we go about operating in that general way of the world, thinking you, you deserve it, go get it, get all you can, we have to squash down a niggling feeling and thought that goes something like this. Why is there so much stuff in my basement? What does the goodwill do with all of the stuff that gets dropped off that doesn't, you know, like that's just piling up that doesn't actually go to the sold floor, right? Is any of this stuff going to last beyond me? You have to squash that down to live into this way of the world that says, go get all you can. God also wants to address um, our arrogance in this third way that seems like kind of out of the blue regarding our promises. And that's in this final verse of 512. So let me just read that one again. He says, above all, brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. That one feels a little out of the blue. But um, when I'm thinking in terms of um, what are these ways of the world that are in contradiction to the ways of Jesus, it makes a little more sense to me. I think this one is talking about that way of the world that says it's all on you. When you make a promise, you better back it up because it's on you. We reinforce when we make our promises. Um, we'll say something like, and remember, this is um, just a little side note. James is talking to brothers and sisters again here. So now he's starting, he's starting to say, like, I see this in the church too, guys. This isn't just in the world. Um, when we're wanting to make a promise and we're, like, wanting people to take us seriously, we might invoke God or say something like, I swear on someone's grave. I don't, I don't, we don't use kind of this language anymore, but we carry with our promise and our like insistence on feeling like we've got to back it up on this, like, it's all on you. So we're living under these, um, this worldly way that says, you've got this, get all you can while you can, and it's all on you. And for me, when I am living in that way of the world, I just kind of sink a little deeper every time I hear those. Um, unless you're like really deep into mantra thinking or self-delusion and like those phrases actually pump you up. And I'm not laughing at you because I imagine that that like could actually happen to somebody, right? But for the, for the rest of us, you hear, you've got this, get all you can while you can, and it's all on you. And we just sink, like tired and worn out and disillusioned and like tired of faking it, right? Isn't there a better way? There would be a better way if like the Congress, when they get back to session, would just do debt forgiveness, right? Don't you think? Do you know that the national credit card debt is up to $10.93 trillion? That's insane. We have an urgency, my friends, to get things set right. I'm bringing a baby into this crazy world. Like, we've got an urgency 
to get the world set right, but it can be completely overwhelming and put us under when we start to think that we've got to find the power to do it within ourselves. You've got this. Get all you can. It's all on you. That doesn't end very well. So thanks be to God. He carries our sense of urgency about getting the world set right. He actually cares for us. He cares about our individual and our communal plans and our prosperity and our promises, and he has a plan to work with us to set the world right. Isn't that incredible? So amid this punch in the gut that James has brought, let me, let me sift out some verses for us of some assurance that there actually is a better way that we can walk out of here with today. Um, the first is, you don't have to have this. God has this. You don't have to have it. God has it. He's in charge. And when we can hear this, my, my soul responds with a, a tremendous amount of relief. Here again, um, James 4.15, for those of us who are carrying our planners around. James says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. This is not a magic incantation to start praying over your planner, like schedule out the week, you know. Um, it has been taken that way in cer certain cultures and religions that this is just a phrase that you add to end the end of all of your phrases and now you're covered. It's actually an internal way of living that relinquishes the ownership of the plans. So you finish writing the planner and then you say, you know, if the Lord wills, that'll happen. And if he doesn't, it won't. And there's a relief and a relinquishment in that. How's that actually um, look? I actually think God encourages us to have plans. Larry um, quoted earlier, um, the, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You actually can have your plans. You can have a positive, hopeful anticipation that something's going to turn around in your business if you try to implement something new. But the power for that to happen does not depend on you. It's when you walk with Jesus that you, um, you get to live in this holy posture. The idea that um, if the Lord wills, we will live or we will do this or that. It is a holy posture that silences the niggling. The niggling fear of, um, but what if it doesn't happen? What if I actually can't do it? What if it doesn't work? When you walk with Jesus, when you know he is for sure carrying out his will, you live with Matthew 11, Jesus' words, work with him, walk with him, watch how he does it, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. When you do that, you get to see the holy combination of God's will and your steps working together in harmony to establish not only peace in your life, but shalom in the rest of the world. God is in charge. You don't have to be. Is that a relief to anybody? Okay, there's some more relief coming. That's just a really, that's a good start. Um, second is, you don't have to get all that you can get right now. 
because there's so much more that's coming. If you think back to that metropolitan market picture, you're not going to walk through Met Market the same way. Um, when you look at the produce aisle of Met Market, you imagine Isaiah 55 coming to life. Isaiah 55 talks about um, the new heavens and the new earth and what it's going to be like to be in God's presence. And he says, come, all who are hungry, come, buy and eat. Come, buy without price. He's presenting to you, Jesus is presenting to you a feast of abundance that he says is just around the corner. On the other side of your life is an incredible abundance that's just right here where we are. You don't have to get it all here. YOLO, you only live once. Not true. You live forever. Bucket list of all the places that you're going to visit. Well, sure, I love to go back to Thailand, but the new heavens and the new earth Thailand is going to be even more amazing. So if I get there, great. It's a glimpse of eternity right? If you get the pool and get to cool down in the 100 degree weather, great, but it's just a glimpse of eternity, right? And so you're free to have what you have and to not have what you don't have right now, because this is not all there is. You don't have to get all you can. There is so much more that's coming. James says the judge is standing at the door, He's so close. Your life is but a wisp. That's not a declaration of futility. That's a declaration of hope. It's just a short time before more than you can imagine is being in God's presence. And finally, my favorite of the comforts is, um, is tucked into that, uh, those final verses that I read from James 5. Verse 11, and I like this one in the message too, so I'm going to do this too. He says, um, God cares. He cares right down to the last detail. And since you know that he cares, let your language show it. God loves you. It's not all on you. You don't have to get all that there is. He cares for you. Friends, our world was created, and then when sin and disobedience broke the world, God was not in despair, and he was not surprised. He set in motion right there a plan for restoration. Even as men and women were just starting to disagree, and thorns were rising up from the ground, and the lies were penetrating the world, these same lies, you've got this, get all you can, right? Same lies. Right as they were permeating, God seeded in that moment the hope of a total restoration. And then we got to glimpse it and see it in the person of Jesus. He had all power and authority over all evil spirits. He healed everyone. He demonstrated in his power that he's got this. He showed us that there's so much more. He took a couple loaves and a couple fish, and he fed thousands of people. In the hands of God, there is no such thing as scarcity. It multiplies, right? He showed us this is not all there is. And he showed us he cares for us. He came to be with us. Not just the lowly, also the high and mighty. Nicodemus and um, Zacchaeus the wealthy in the community, and the shepherds and the fishermen. He's the only person who's ever restored the relationship of the political zealots and the blue-class fishermen workers, right? He's the one who made them 
friends, right? He restored people into social community. He showed us this is the glimpse. We have a problem with this. This makes it hard for us to believe because it feels like just a glimpse. And we're getting that glimpse through an ancient book that we have to believe is true. But we also get the glimpses here and now, occasional miracles, right? People receiving healing. We have testimonies of that in our community. We have testimonies of families being reconciled. We also have a lot of brokenness, right? So it makes it hard to believe when we're only getting these glimpses. And yet, the glimpses are the long-term eternal hope coming into this present world and saying this is more true. It is a better way to believe that God's got this. So how do I set up tomorrow without arrogance regarding my plans or my money or my promises? How do I actually surrender this to the Lord? Well, I I had a way of dialoguing with God about my planner this week that I want to actually give to you and um, embody with you. I want you to actually like feel it and see it and see if this matters to you the way it mattered to me. See if I can leave you um, gripping onto some hope. So um, if you're willing, otherwise you can just look at me and think that I'm goofy and that's totally fine. So I'm totally comfortable with that. But if you're, if you're willing, um, put out your hands and like grip them face up and imagine gripping something you're really sure of this week, something bad or something good, a plan, a way of spending money, a way of not having any money. It's the end of a long month, right? Just like put in your hands, grip in your hands what you're sure of this is going to go great. I've got this. This is going to go terribly. You got something? I want you to imagine opening your hands. Oh, guys, now I need to see. I can get up and down. Kind of. Okay. This is, this is the open-handed posture we can have with God. He doesn't want you to have to grip the things anymore. Grip your way. He's got something better for you to grip. So flip your hands over, and we're going to, like, pick up three things like you're picking it up off the table or up off the floor like I just did, okay? And what I want you to picture on the table is the promise, he's got this. He's got this. Could you imagine, like, picking up he's got this and gripping it? I don't know what's coming next. I thought I was in control. Instead, he's got this. Open your hands again. He's got another promise for you. Pick up, there's so much more. There is so much more. And grip onto that so tight. There is so much more. Think if our bank accounts are full or if our bank accounts are empty, either way can make it harder to believe that. But he's got so much more. Open your hands again. I've got one more promise for you to pick up. He cares for you and grip that. He really does care for you. Open your hands again. We're going to have a moment of quiet 
um, that'll be a little less quiet as the kids come in, but we love that. But before we come to communion, I want you to, um, I, I want you just to, to grip one of those, to decide which, which one of those promises do you really need for this week. God's got this. There's so much more. He cares for you. I just invite you as we prepare for communion to actually sit there with your hands clasped and grip hold of a hope that you need for this week. You have been listening to the Kitsap House podcast sermon series, a Kitsap House production. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday at 1730 Southeast Mile Hill Drive inside the Raw Gym in the Town Square Mall. Services are 10 a.m. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.